Welcome to the second episode of Real Lives, Real Foster Care. Today, we will be discussing how the pandemic affected this fostering family with three young girls all needing homeschooling. Alongside this, we'll be touching on how COVID affected their contact with mum and dad and if it's actually a good idea. So how did you find that the first lockdown back in March impacted the family as a whole? Um, Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, initially it was all a bit of a shock, really, I think to everyone. Um, we did think the children would go back to school initially because that was what we were um, told by the school that for, for the three girls it would carry on but then um, they said because you are able to homeschool we'd rather they stayed at home with you so we had to get our act together really I think we went with the flow yeah, it we had did to be go, done so yeah. we did it I think the main thing was to play it down. We just, uh, we didn't panic. Well, not not in front of the kids anyway. Um, And we wanted to make it a positive experience for everyone. So whenever we talked about how things were changing, because they were changing quickly, uh, we did it out of out of earshot of the girls. They weren't watching news. They just got their information from us and we just kept it minimal and and so that they could understand but we tried to make it um an okay thing that we just had to do Mm. everyone had to do it but then on the whole i think they had a a positive experience because there were so many adults in the house um they enjoyed the um, attention for school homeschooling they enjoyed the walks they enjoyed playing games in the garden because the weather was good so there was lots of positive things. So did you think that it made your job as a foster carer harder or easier with children being around you 24-7? Did you find that there was a significant difference? Well, we've had them 24-7 in summer holidays for like up to six weeks. Mm. So I think it was just more that you had to think about things and put things, make plans. Mm. Um, so you had to be ready for each day homeschooling you had to have an activity ready you just had to put a lot more thought into it the girls got stuck into it you know yeah, which is good. they could quite easily have been pains but they won't they got stuck into it and enjoyed what they were doing i think because we did the keep fit with joe wicks we did cooking i was very good at that bike rides it was a time for doing stuff that you don't always get time to do quiz nights which were really popular and um, things like that. So in terms of the home schooling, you both obviously have a large amount of experience in the education sector. You're a teacher, might be a teaching assistant. Did you find this challenging in any way or did you did it kind of come naturally to you? No, it was challenging because of the competition between the three girls. Initially, I thought, oh, this will be okay. They're around the same age, mm. roughly around the same level. I'll do my teacher bit and then they can get on with the work. It didn't, it just didn't work. We needed to have them in separate spaces. They couldn't work with each other Mm. without irritating or competing against each other. So uh, we eventually worked it between the two of us and rotated um, the children. um, And we worked with whatever, whatever we were more confident with. So if Mike, prefers maths and he would do the maths I do the English and stuff like that we just went back to basics I knew they'd they'd missed so much schooling 
that um as you know whatever we covered within the basics of maths and english uh maybe science we knew that they probably wouldn't have done it so it it wasn't like we were wasting our time so was it difficult to separate your parental relationship with them you know as like mum and dad figures and take on a teacher role or again did it just come naturally to you no i think it's difficult i think for anyone who's homeschooling it's difficult because it's it's too fine a line and, and children don't accept it. So it was, I think it was easier in a way for us because we are a little bit removed from the girls being foster carers. Um, and obviously we've got a background of education, so we knew what was expected, but it was still, it's not like a school environment. They wouldn't argue with you and they wouldn't um, make a fuss if you were at school. It's a different atmosphere. So would you say that the children overall benefited or do do you think that they were missing their school environment no i didn't get that impression at all did you that they were missing they were missing their friends um but i think they quite enjoyed the fact that uh, we made them work Mm -hmm. and they i think they remembered a lot of the stuff that we did um and they did stuff that perhaps they wouldn't normally do at school with the cooking and stuff like that in the afternoons Mm -hmm. and stuff and PE and whatever, but um, yeah, I don't think they miss school. I don't think they do. No, no, not at all. So you've spoken before about at the beginning of the lockdown, you were asked by the council to consider potentially welcoming another child into your home if the situate if their situation was deemed unsafe. How did you come to that decision between you both? I think the social services were just preempting what the lock down might do to a lot of families uh, foster families mm. but in reality I don't think it was as bad as as they thought it was going to be so I don't think we were needed yeah. um we sort of we didn't say no we, we umbled and hard about it with them and, and but in the end our decision was that um the girls were settled and that we didn't need anything to happen that would unsettle them they're not only going through a tough time in their life, it's tough being in foster care, you know, and then to have another addition come in who might take attention away from them would not have been fair on them. So our commitment was to the three girls. If it had been a major, major emergency, that would have been different. Yeah, I think we Something would have reconsidered. major, we would have reconsidered, but the decision was that the girls were the priority. Mm. And the boys. I think on the whole, people coped a lot better than they thought people were going to cope. There's a lot of support mechanisms in in Essex. So a lot of people would have got through stuff they might not have got through because they implemented more because of the lockdown. So there's a lot more available. There was um, an article and Bernardo's released. They were predicting 40% more cases. Well, that's not to say that hasn't happened and it's been dealt with in in the correct manner and there were people available who had spaces that could take those kids. But... As I said, our three, they were our priority. So did you have to have any um, specific training with regards to the pandemic and keeping the children safe? Yeah, there was um, psychologists' um, videos online about COVID and how to talk to children about COVID, um, which you could access. And the, the, I've, I've got a, well, we've both got a supervising social worker, which we could have called on any time if if we needed to mm-hmm. for advice or their social worker right okay. so it was there it was there did you get anything from the school in terms of like you know how to approach 
teaching. They were always saying, um, please get in touch if you need help. Yeah. I think everybody was at the end of the line and the psychological training would be good, but a lot of people don't particularly want to go online, do courses on psychology or anything like that. So I'm hoping that through it, people use the telephone line, you know, and kept in touch because, you know, we, we know full well, we know with our supervising social worker, we can call her any time. If we've got an issue with the girls, we can call the social worker, their social worker, any time. And there's out of hours. So if yeah. you can't, there's always someone mm -hmm. available. Have you been impacted by the virus in terms of support groups not being held or are they still going on by Zoom? What's the situation? Uh, they have been going on by Zoom. They've ha they've cancelled a couple. I think in the early days it took a while to set up, mm. and then recently they decided that because of the homeschooling, it was too much for people to with devices and that to try and get online. Mm. Plus, there would be foster children who would be in earshot, and so it's not really a, a private time for some people mm. but we're back on course so yeah they carried on so when we did it the other day you spoke about the unannounced visits and household reviews obviously with the social distancing and people not being allowed in and out was that just something that was put on hold or was it done virtually or how did they sort of tackle that the reviews carried on mm. online and there was an unannounced but we decided we didn't feel comfortable with someone coming into the house mm. So uh, that that was just... I, it was me. I was very adamant that I would not allow somebody into the house. I don't care for what reason. It made no difference to me whatsoever. And I, I asked the social worker to go and come back another day. How did she react to that? She was absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah they she understood. understood. They understood. It was just noted that they weren't able to come into the house. Just in the garden, just asked some of the questions that would have been covered if we'd been inside. Yeah. Social worker visits are done online. Yeah. Do you think it'll carry on? No, as soon as we no. can go to face to face, they'll come to they face do to want face. To go yeah. Back to yeah. And we prefer that anyway. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I prefer that. So you've recently had your first COVID jab, with you being key workers. Was this something you felt you both wanted urgently, or did were you you know approached and asked if you wanted it, or did you you know push for it? What, what was it? It was something that was pushed by Essex Social Services with the medical people to get all foster carers, frontline carers and care workers jabbed rather than having to wait until your age band came up. And they were very quick at doing that. They asked us for a load of information. We sent it over. Within a couple of days, we got information asking us to book an injection. Um, we booked that. Got that within yeah, a week. we were just pleasantly surprised that it, it happened earlier than we expected. But urgent, no. No, we didn't we, feel it was no, urgent. We, we know that there are other people that should be before us, but they gave us the option as foster carers, so we went for it. So now that the kids are back in school, because they are deemed vulnerable, is there anything that has changed in their routines? It's, there's more showering and more changing of clothes. They can't take things into school or bring things home. There's no letters as such. Everything's online. It's mainly the after-school clubs. The social side has, has stopped. I mean, there are some things on Zoom, but on the whole, I think they miss their swimming lessons and their um, gymnastics. And they miss their clubs. Their clubs, definitely. And going around friends' houses and having friends to the house. That's the biggest thing, I think. Did you think that school is the best place for them? Yeah, Having... absolutely. They've missed so much schooling in their early life and just keeping that routine and 
you know, consistency, consistency friendships, the whole concept of school needs to go on for them, definitely. So in terms of contact with their relatives, this is something that happens however many times a year. Has COVID affected this or have they been able to carry on in a certain way? Or It has affected it because they've had to have contact over Zoom, um, which is... Uh, the same the same length of time but obviously it's it's different from from one to one you haven't got that uh, closeness or you know cuddles and whatever else they they've uh, got going but there was a break in the lockdowns and they were able to see their parents at one point and grandparents so it's been a mixed bag really for them uh, but they've just sort of gone with the flow really mm. whatever we've said is happening they they do it so talk me through what the term contact actually means in the foster caring industry. So it's that time when they go back to uh, spending time with their parent, their birth parents and the reviewing officer who gets to know the children plus the social worker plus any other agencies and plus ourselves make the decision on how often this should be but sorry, initially that decision is taken when they go to court and mm. a full care order is granted, and then the judge assesses how long they can see the kids for, how many weeks in between, which is what you're saying. Oh, that's true, yeah. But when we go to childcare reviews, we can say eight times a year is too much and debate it within everybody, and everybody agrees, then it can be reduced. And then if everything goes okay, then it can be increased or it can be reduced. But initially, yeah, that's true. It's initially, it's the Crown Court. Do you think it's ever possible for there to be too much contact with a parent? Or Yes. Know, yeah, definitely. We've had that experience before when there was too much contact, especially um, where parents are split. So once a month contact is once a month, maybe for that individual parent, but twice a month for the children. You know, so that's 24 contacts a year where the parents see them 12 times a year yeah. it's way too much way 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 too much we've had that before but the children we've got at the moment the contact at the moment is sufficient what kind of activities go on during these contact sessions is it and is there a specific itinerary or is it kind of do what you want uh if it's supervised which is which is what the, the girls have got supervised then it's weather dependent. So if it's uh, inside, it's in a family room with a TV and DVD player and game board games. Um, so they choose from those. Um, they tend to pick up the toys, play with the toys, go a little bit mad. Then there might be a suggestion made by the social worker if it's not if it's a bit too chaotic, that one of the parents plays a game, reads a book, and they start to settle for a little while, they might put on a DVD. If it's nice weather, there's a garden area, um, so they go and play at garden in the garden. There's like there's bikes, there's balls and stuff. It's very situation led, like child and parent lead what goes on. So yeah, unless they see that they need a bit of guidance, yeah. or if it's not going well, they have to intervene. Mm -hmm. There is a community-based uh, contact, which the grandparents have been given, where, again, they are supervised, but they can go into the local area. So they could go down to the beach, they could go onto the pier with them and do, or go to McDonald's or something like that. Mm. But they don't always take that up. 
is there a reason why they don't do it is it perhaps too much for them or it's an hour and a half so it's not a lot of time so I can see that you wouldn't really get much achieved mm. in an hour and a half. Mm. I think you have to also remember as well that contact is foster carers don't go to. So we're only telling you what we've been told or what Julie might have seen. You know, we don't actually know exactly what goes on in there because we don't get the feedback where we believe we should get the feedback from there the contact. There are apparently notes made. There are, but, we never but we've seen. never seen them. And we've been fostering 14 years and never seen a contact sheet of information yet. So would you say that your own experience with, you know, the idea of contact is a negative one or do you think it kind of depends on the children you've got? <sighs> it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're a long-term placement. So we are in replace of parents, yet they're still seeing parents. So you can't pretend they're not there. We, we will always support contact, 100%. But if the girls come back... And they're very upset at what's going on in contact. I'd be the first to go on the phone to the social worker and and tell her to find out what went on in that contact. You know, um, and if it's not suitable, then the council have to look at doing something about it. Because sometimes there's only one person, isn't there, supervising it? Perhaps they need two. Mm. You know, because these girls are extremely lively. But if, like I said, if they come back upset, that's not yeah. I think we'd be guided not by acceptable that. To us. Yeah. Social workers always tell the children, contact is for you. Because mm -hmm. children feel they should be going to please their parents. Mm. It's to make them happy. It's not how it works. The idea is, you don't want to go, you, you don't, don't have, have to go. go. But a small child will always want to go yeah. and see their parents. But it can change as they become older and go into teenage years. But again, we've had children that have, have turned around to us and said, I don't want to go to contact. So we we're not going to force that. them to go. We do what they want. We're not governed by the parents. No, it's supposed to be for the children. So have you ever had a situation where too much contact or the child has, you know, decided that they don't want to see mum and dad anymore? We support it by, by saying we'll get in touch with the social worker and get the social worker to deal with it. But if they're saying on the day of contact they don't want to go, then we're not going to force them to go. We've had situations where they've come back from contact and they've been really upset Distraught. or concerned by what's happened during contact and then we mm. fight in their corner and say, what on earth was going on, mm. you know, and then things often change as in it wasn't supervised and therefore it is then then supervised yeah. or whoever was supervising it took their eye off the ball and they need to be more... Vigilant. When it comes to Christmas and birthdays, are there any extra dates that are scheduled for contact? There's always one near Christmas, but not necessarily near birthdays. But no, it's just uh, potluck if it's near a child's birthday. And is the idea, would you say, for contact to, if the if the council's aim for the child is to get them back with mum and dad, is that also is contact used as a way to prove to the social workers and the, and whoever that mum and dad are to look after children again or... yeah, if it goes back to court those those notes will be used in court and what observations have been made whether it's a positive thing if they're going back to their parents or if it's just evidence to show that they can't still can't cope with them you're going to fight for them and then you're going to do a good job at contact from my research um, contact can sometimes affect children's behavior and perhaps trigger a lot of emotions so in your own opinion do you think it is a good idea for a child to see their real family yeah i mean you know they're not they are there they're, they're always going to be there 
um, and in the future they might want to re-establish relationships with their birth parents but only if it's a positive thing I would never want a child to have contact and be upset no. by it that's pointless but if they're happy to go and they understand that they're always going to come back to the foster carer until unless things change um, then that's fine Tune in next time for another episode of Real Lives Real Foster Care to hear all about the support available to foster carers and a time in which Mike and Judy were suspended after false allegations were made.